All right, guys, welcome to today's episode of Locked On SEC Podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host, Blake Lovell, and on today's episode of the podcast, some thoughts on uh, SEC basketball uh, as it pertains to SEC basketball recruiting, because uh, we are seeing uh, the league really uh, become a dominant force uh, in this recruiting cycle, and uh, we'll talk a bit about that, and uh, a teaser uh, for our Locked On Mock Draft, uh, which is taking place on our Locked On NFL Draft podcast. Uh, That way you guys can check on that uh, throughout the week. Uh, They've already uh, doing great work over there and uh, really great insight into uh, the upcoming NFL Draft. Uh, And, of course, lots of SEC players uh, included among the mix. So uh, we'll have a full segment uh, on that and give you guys a little bit of of what you can expect uh, if you head over there and check out uh, the great work those guys are doing on the podcast. But uh, we do start uh, with SEC basketball, and uh, as we said, it's sort of uh, been something when you look at uh, what's been going on in SEC basketball recruiting right now, and uh, it was earlier in the week, uh, I think, that uh, most people started to turn their attention to really just how well the conference was doing uh, on the recruiting trail. Uh, that's because Auburn landed JT Thor, who is a, a really nice player and is going to add to their already very talented recruiting class. And I know for Auburn fans, uh, they're waiting uh, on the big one now, which is Jalen Green, uh, which will can announce his commitment uh, this week. But as for now, it puts Auburn at number seven nationally in the 24-7 sports uh team rankings for the the 2020 recruiting class and remember let's let's keep in mind that this doesn't uh include you know transfers in terms of of how they're factored into the mix but uh auburn moved to number seven with the addition of jt thor well uh that's not the full picture though just the fact that auburn has moved to number seven it's the fact that there are now five sec teams included uh in what is now the top seven in this recruiting class. And I think that is something that certainly stands out when you look at it from a basketball standpoint. And, and a lot of people have made the joke that they thought uh, that this was SEC football when they saw uh, some of the you know the stats being put out about uh, where the SEC teams were at in this ranking. I know Evan Daniels put it out. Uh, I put out something on it uh, in terms of just seeing where these teams are, are at in these team rankings uh, for the upcoming season. And now, you know, Auburn, I think, initially moved to number eight when, when they signed him, but now they're up to number seven. And that does put five SEC teams in the top seven. You've got Kentucky at number one. Uh, you've got Tennessee at four, LSU at five, Arkansas at six, and Auburn now at number seven. Uh, so this is, yeah, it's not SEC football. Uh, this is basketball. And, and that's why I think we go back to several years ago. This just isn't something that has happened in terms of the SEC having one really good recruiting cycle, and we're seeing, uh, you know, the rewards from that uh, right now. That's not the case. This started several years ago, uh, I think, when we saw the SEC. Uh, I guess it goes back even more than several years ago when you looked at the SEC's commitment to basketball, all the resources that were getting put into it, but also going out and hiring coaches that, you know, had that background of winning in a lot of different areas And I think that's what you've seen now in the SEC. And not only were these coaches winning, but they were doing it uh, by being able to go out and recruit well uh, and land some of these guys. And and I think you look at this now, I mean, again, five teams in the top seven uh, for the SEC. We're used to that in football, but in basketball, 
Uh, could that become something that is just going to be the norm uh, now moving forward? And and maybe not every year are you going to have five in the top seven at this point. And again, we have to remember that this is still probably going to change with some of the teams potentially moving around and some of the players that are still on the board. And, and could you potentially have players um, that aren't necessarily, you know, could they choose to go overseas? Because we're starting to see that where some of these players maybe are going to either go the professional route even if they've already you know committed to schools uh and there have been rumors you know about several different players that are doing that and we've seen others uh I know Isaiah Todd from Michigan uh who committed and and now all of a sudden you know is not going to Michigan and he's going to pursue uh professional opportunities overseas so could we see more players do that and could they be at some of these SEC uh schools that's what we don't know uh just given the I think the landscape uh, of not only just what's going on right now in the world, but also uh, just the landscape of college basketball and professional basketball. Uh, so that's going to be interesting. But but anyway, you look at it, it's still something where, you know, there are still players out there, and Jalen Green being the biggest one, to where if he were to, you know, choose Auburn, um, that would move Auburn way up uh, in the rankings. They would move up even further than they are now. So uh, that wouldn't necessarily change the fact that the SEC would probably still have five uh, in, in the top seven or eight or whatever it would be if Auburn would jump ahead of some of these other teams. Uh, but it's still something that I think just proves where the league is at right now when it comes to recruiting. And if you look beyond that, uh, you know, you've got Alabama down there at number 18. Um, I, I know, again, these these sort of change based on other commitments and all that and, and decommitments uh, and everything. But you've got Alabama at 18. Um, you've also got Georgia at 27. Florida's at 29. Um, so you just go down the line and you've just got a lot of different teams uh, that are in there. And really, if you go in the top 40, Mississippi State's at 39 and Texas A&M is at 40. So, I mean, it's just it shows you how well teams are recruiting right now in the SEC. And I think that's going to be something that's going to give this league, you know, a nice boost heading into next season because we know this was sort of a down season this past season in the SEC where, you know, it's quite frankly could have only gotten four teams to the tournament uh, had it been played. Uh, but overall, it was just one of those years that we thought was going to be a transition year because of the the players that had went uh, the professional route. Uh, you had some of those guys that, that you thought may come back. Ultimately, they went the professional route. And you had a lot of young teams in the SEC that were relying on young talent. And so uh, you're still going to have a lot of young talent going into next season, uh, certainly when we look at, at these particular recruiting rankings. But uh, you're going to have a lot of guys coming back too, and that's where you look at a team like Florida, who got big news uh, in getting one of their key players back uh, on Tuesday. And uh, we'll get more into that, as well as uh, some more thoughts uh, on SEC basketball heading into next season. And uh, we'll get into those coming up here on the Locked On SEC podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Network. And I teased it before the break, but uh, Florida is a team that, and we had mentioned this on the podcast last week, that could be one of those teams that benefits the most from this NBA draft process. And we're seeing it go a couple different ways. Uh, Maybe not as clear-cut as we thought it would be in terms of seeing a lot more players come back than enter the draft, Uh, but there are still decisions to be made, and that's why I think this process has gotten a little bit more flexible in terms of what players can do and when they can decide to come back, And, and still not knowing if the NBA draft is going to take place as planned in June, uh, I think that leaves a lot more unknowns too. But one of the teams we mentioned that could benefit from this process and have some players coming back 
that could make them an SEC title contender was Florida uh, with the Gators getting Keontae Johnson back, uh, who announced it on, on Twitter or Instagram, one of the two, um, on Tuesday that he would be returning and that's a huge boost for Florida. And you saw a lot of people, uh, I think, you know, throughout the season, and I was one of them, I've always been a big Keontae Johnson fan, uh, but his development last season was, you know, superb. And I think he transformed himself into one of the best players in the SEC. And now, coming back next season, um, the expectation is going to be even higher for him, I think, individually. And the expectations are going to be high for Florida. Now, they may not meet exactly what we thought they were going to be Last season, uh, we remember we went into last season, and, and I was one of the ones, admittedly, uh, that thought Florida was a preseason top 10 type of team whenever you just looked at their roster on paper. It didn't ultimately turn out that way, but I think now you bring Keontae Johnson back, you get the huge news that Scotty Lewis is coming back, and you know, you're know you going to bring back seemingly the bulk of that sophomore class with Keontae Johnson, Noah Locke, and Andrew Nimpard, uh, who is someone that I think, uh, according to multiple people that I trust, uh, at least seem to think uh, that there could be a good chance that Nimpard could be coming back. Now, obviously, that can change, uh, but let's say that does happen. Um, if you look at it in that scenario, I think the Gators go into next season, once again, feeling like they have to be an SEC title contender. They have to be a consistent top 25 team, but it's going to go back to that consistency and whether or not uh, that will happen because that's been the one thing for Florida that has stood out, you know, probably over the last several years. It's just they haven't had that consistency and they're going to have to do that uh, if they want to be a team that can compete at, at what's going to be, again, a very competitive, I think, top part of the SEC. And we're looking way ahead right now uh, once again, not knowing exactly what these rosters are going to look like. Because you look at some of these teams that uh, could get some of their guys back from the NBA draft process. They could still uh, you know, have transfers come in. It's just way too early still to, to be projecting exactly how we're going to see the SEC play out next season. But we can still look ahead based on what we know right now. And we know that Kentucky's going to be really good. Uh, I think you'll still see the Wildcats come in as the as the favorite heading into next season. But I also think you're going to see a team like Tennessee, uh, you know, take a big jump forward. Um, whereas this past year, you know, we, we said it's kind of labeling the SEC as sort of a transition year. It really was that, I think, for Tennessee because we knew everything that they had lost from the year before, um, you know, not having guys like Grant Williams, Admiral Schofield, and the others um, in the mix. We, we knew there was going to be an adjustment period for the Vols, and I think we saw that last season. But now, you know, bringing in back the defensive player of the year in Eve Ponds, John Fulkerson, an all-SEC player, undoubtedly, uh, next season. Uh, EJ Anasicki, the, the really good grad transfer uh, from Sacred Heart. And you bring in what is right now ranked as the number four recruiting class in the country. So um, I think Tennessee will be right there as a preseason top 15 team. Uh, in my eyes, just looking at them on paper, and again, that's all we have to go on. Uh, it's just you have to be able to, to just look at the rosters and, and go by that. So if Tennessee can keep its roster intact, uh, have the guys on it right now that we think are going to be on it. I think the Vols will be right there as a surefire SEC title contender. Uh, then you look at some of the others. I think Alabama and Arkansas probably two of the most intriguing teams heading into next season if you're looking for teams that could make significant jumps 
from where they were this past season. Uh, Arkansas's class, as we said, number six in the country right now, um, and and they've still got you know the big ones out there with Isaiah Joe, uh, Mason Jones. I, I know these guys have entered the draft process, and that's why I keep bringing it up is. Look, I know we probably are leaning towards one way or the other when it comes to to these guys, uh, but you just never know at this point because there's so many unknowns with this entire situation that I think, you know, feeling like we know one way or the other for sure, and we, we have known that in some of these players' cases, uh, you know, over the past several years, uh, as we've seen, you know, the, the draft process be a little bit more uh, flexible, like I mentioned, for, for the players, um, you felt like, look, there was a really good chance that a player was going to go, you know, one way or the other. Now I think that even if you feel that way, it's like you always have uh, that thought, you know, that, okay, well, maybe he could still change his mind uh, based on, on this or that. But uh, either way, I mean, again, no matter who comes back for Arkansas, um, you know, we, we can expect we can expect one way or the other, uh, depending on who you think may come back, who won't. Um, I think that it's still one where they've got such a good class coming in. Um, I know Muss is still chasing, you know, transfers, and I don't exactly know their scholarship situation uh, right now. But you could still have players coming in, uh, as we said. You know, you can still have players leaving. Um, it's you know, it's mid-April still, and there's a lot of things that that are still to be determined when it comes to these rosters. But I do think Arkansas is going to take a big step forward. Uh, we saw, you know, how well they were playing before Isaiah Joe's entry, and I still think that's something that we're, we're probably looking at Arkansas a bit differently. Uh, had he not dealt with that injury and they had won some of those games, they would have been in the NCAA tournament. Um, and then Alabama, you just look at the tide, and and that's another one where, yes, they've still got some guys that, that have entered the draft process. We don't know who among that group is going to come back for sure. Uh, but if we say a couple of them do, uh, one of them does, uh, it probably, you know, it would change a whole lot, certainly the more you get back from that draft process. Uh, with guys like John Petty and Herbert Jones. But um, even if all of those guys don't come back, uh, Alabama has added just some outstanding talent uh, heading into next season. And and obviously Nate Oates and company have done a really good job on the recruiting trail, not just with the freshmen. Uh, We mentioned Josh Primo, uh, you know, getting him was huge, uh, but also, you know, bringing in some of these transfer guys that they're going to add to the mix as well. Jordan Bruner from Yale, uh, that was a big addition for a team that, that needed someone I think in the front court that can be, you know, a little bit versatile and can add on both sides of the court. I think getting him was a huge addition. And, you know, we have to remember, too, they've got Javon Quinterly, who was on the sideline uh, all of last season, and now we will step into what is going to be pretty much a fresh start for him uh, in a system that's probably going to, to fit his skill set a bit better. Uh, so there's there's a lot to like about Alabama. And you just go down the list, and I know there's some teams that we're leaving out, uh, but, you know, A&M, look at Texas A&M. I mean, that's a team that, that played – you know, above what people thought they would last season. And there's no doubt that they're going to take a step forward. And so uh, you just go up and down the line. I think the SEC uh, is a lot more intriguing. And I think for all the people that had fun, you know, kind of pointing out that the SEC really did struggle a bit uh, last season uh, after, you know, taking a big step forward the, the previous couple seasons where you got eight teams, seven teams, into the tournament, uh, and last season probably at best may have only gotten five in 
Uh, I think this is going to be a season where you see the SEC jump back towards maybe even eight uh, would be my expectation right now if you just look up and down uh, and try to project you know what these rosters are going to look like uh, I think eight is very reasonable to, to get that in and even just getting half of the league into the tournament feels like a pretty good chance to do that I mean and again we're not even talking about teams like South Carolina who was very young last season uh, they probably going to be bringing back uh, the bulk of their roster uh, and just other teams like that so uh, LSU I don't I forgot we didn't even talk about LSU who right now you know is sitting uh, where they are they're in the top five uh, nationally in terms of uh, recruiting classes so we can't forget about LSU Um, and you know I know they've got guys too that are testing the NBA draft but uh, either way uh, we know the Tigers are going to be right there uh, with a chance uh, to compete for an SEC title again most likely so uh, the SEC in really good shape uh, I think in basketball and this recruiting just proves um, that there's going to be a lot of talent in this league next season and I don't think you're going to have uh, the frustrations that maybe we had this season with the SEC where you had a lot of inexperienced teams. Uh, you had some teams that maybe struggled to shoot the ball a bit more from outside. Uh, with some of these players deciding to come back and not go the professional route, that's going to make some of these teams older. And now some of the transfers coming in combined with some of the talent that, as we're seeing, it's not just young talent, it's elite young talent. And that's a big difference sometimes. And I think that's going to uh, help you know a lot of these teams uh, take a big step forward next season. Well, we'll get into that a bit more uh, as we do you know move closer towards knowing exactly uh, what the college basketball season is going to look like uh, but uh, as I mentioned earlier uh, having some fun with the NFL draft and specifically the mock drafts and we're doing that here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Uh, we'll give you a preview into uh, what the guys are doing on the Locked On NFL Podcast as they uh, put together their mock drafts and uh, lots of SEC players uh, included and give you a teaser uh, into what they're doing over there coming up here on the Locked On SEC Podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Network. And as I mentioned, uh, we do have a special treat for you here on the Locked On SEC Podcast. Uh, we're going to play uh, the first portion of the 2020 Locked On NFL Mock Draft Special that's taking place right now. Uh, this project, uh, the culmination of every host here on the Locked On Podcast Network's NFL channel uh, and many of the hosts of the college channel, I had a chance uh, to do one of the player profiles and enjoyed it. So uh, really good stuff uh, that the guys are doing on their mock draft special. Uh, it includes insights from the Draft Network and the hosts of the Locked On NFL Draft and the Draft Dudes. We've been promoting those podcasts uh, here on, on the show over the past several weeks. Uh, now, just keep in mind, this mock draft isn't a predictive draft. Uh, the hosts aren't selecting uh, who they think you know the teams will pick come April 23rd. Instead, they are picking who they want uh, their teams select on draft day. Uh, so you'll have trades, surprises, all that good stuff that you normally get uh, in and in the NFL draft. And the guys do a good job uh, of keeping it entertaining. And so uh, the college hosts, like myself, uh, we provided uh, player profiles of all the players selected in the mock draft. Uh, all 32 NFL teams are featured, uh, even the teams without a first-round selection. Uh, the mock draft special did start uh, last Friday on April the 10th and will air all the way uh, through this Friday, April the 17th. So you've probably already missed some of the previous episodes, uh, but just go back through. You can catch up on them and see uh, where your favorite SEC player uh, may have landed in the mock draft. Uh, so uh, you can also, if you want to keep up with it, uh, just be sure to subscribe to Locked on NFL on Apple Podcasts uh, or just follow on Spotify so you don't miss any of the upcoming shows they have. Uh, and you can go back through the archives and miss and check out uh, any of the ones that you missed already. Uh, but without any further ado, uh, let's go ahead and jump into the 2020 Locked on NFL Mock Draft Special. 
They've been playing the game their entire life. From the playground. I promise to exercise and eat right. Don't forget 60 minutes of play a day, right? I'm playing the NFL. Yes, sir. I'm addressing number one. Maybe. To their high school. Let's hear it, gentlemen. Clear eyes, full hearts. Let's go play some football. Let's go. To the university. We have 95 players here, so accomplished as athletes in high school. We gave them full scholarships to the best football program in the country. Now, their lives are about to change forever. Become your mom's favorite player? Whoa. This is Locked On NFL, and this is the Locked On Podcast Network Mock Draft. Welcome to the 2020 Locked On NFL Mock Draft special. Brian Peacock here alongside former NFL scout Matt Williamson. We will take you through the first round plus in a network-wide mock draft. All 32 teams represented, even those without first round picks. Hosts making picks for the teams they cover. Our friends from the college side of the network with profiles on each one of these prospects that get selected in the Locked On NFL Mock Draft Special, why they are considered worthy of first-round selections, and analysis from my co-host, Matt Williamson, as well as draft dudes Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, and the Locked On NFL Draft crew, Trevor Sikama and Ben Solak. If you're listening to this kickoff episode on a team-specific podcast, you can follow along all week, every pick, throughout round one on the Locked On NFL channel, teams are talking trades, so you may not know exactly where your team ends up selecting. We'll conclude this draft next Friday, checking in with those teams in round two who didn't select in the opening stanza, some of which might jump into round one before it's all finished, and recapping everything that went down all week long. Matt, I'm pumped. Are you ready to do this thing? I'm very ready to do this thing. This is a very cool event. I think people will enjoy it. We've had so many new subscribers since last year that didn't get to enjoy it. So you're in for a treat. You're in for a wild ride and a really well put together whole situation here starting right now. Absolutely. Yeah. And it was one of the most popular. It was the most popular show on the NFL side of the network last year. And I expect it to be even bigger and better. And the way things are right now in the world and wherever you are listening to this podcast, I hope you are well. And I hope this is something fun for you to listen to all week long. Matt, as the Cincinnati Bengals go on the clock with the opening selection in the Locked On NFL mock draft, you've been through this. What are teams doing in preparation the final days and minutes leading up to the first pick for those specific teams? Well, this year, who the heck knows? I mean, <laughs> I'm sure that there's things like, you know, the, the, the electronics or the, or the IT people are coming to everyone's homes to make sure everything works, checking, double-checking, doing all that kind of stuff. We mentioned before, you know, maybe you could run mock drafts in terms of let's try to just do a, a whole walkthrough, basically, of how this thing's going to work. If we're going to make a trade, who's in charge of calling this team, et cetera, et cetera. But honestly, in, olden, in the olden days and the not 2020 draft, most of the hay is in the barn, really, a day or two before the draft. I mean, you might be calling – agents of your favorite people to make sure that prospects didn't fall down the stairs or that knee that you're worried about isn't <laughs> flaring up. But for the most part, things should be done a couple days before the draft. Let's check in with some of our analysts here on the network. We have a pair of NFL draft shows, draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino. 
It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs of the Draft Dudes podcast. And let me just tell you, as a couple of Draft Dudes, we are really excited for this Locked On Podcast Network draft simulation where each host is going to make the picks for their team. And uh, I know it's not the real thing, but it's pretty damn close. And this draft promises to be very exciting with all the dynamics between the teams with multiple first-round picks and all the quarterbacks. So, Kyle, uh, I'm sure you're just as excited as I am. Yeah, the big mystery here is, from the quarterback perspective, how many can we get to go early? And then the other fascinating subplot is, when does the offensive tackle run start, and how fast does it go? Because there's generally considered to be four top offensive tackles. There's generally considered to be three top quarterbacks. Maybe a fourth with Jordan Love if he sneaks in there remains to be seen. And the order of all seven of those players who are feasibly top 12 talents coming off the board is going to be a really interesting scenario to see how it actually plays out here. I think just as interesting as the offensive tackle discussion is the wide receiver. Everybody knows this is a really deep and talented crop of receivers, but there's really exciting guys at the top of the board. You know, could we see six, seven, eight guys go off the board in the first round? When does that run start? And uh, who are those late first round guys that uh, teams that, you know, like the Packers or or like the Saints and Eagles and, and Vikings? Who do they get if they are uh, left kind of picking the later half of those top tier pr- prospects? So uh, offensive tackles, quarterbacks, wide receivers, the NFL is a passing league. And you can tell that this um, this draft is going to really help these offenses be more dynamic. Yeah, it's a deep class, and we're going to have a lot of opportunities to see players that in a typical class are probably off the board by 20. They might be lingering here in the late first round, early second round. So lots to look forward to, lots to get into. Looking forward to see how these teams start their drafts. Hey, everybody, Trevor Sykema and Benjamin Solak from the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast here with you. Excited to go on this journey of the Locked On NFL Mock Draft Special. Ben, this is going to be a lot of fun. There's so many things that could happen in this mock draft. What are you looking forward to most? Yeah, it's always nice when you're able to get 32 guys, each of whom knows their team as well as the host in the Locked On Podcast Network do, and they can control for their pick. And then you have the freedom for things like trade negotiations as the pick comes off the board. You have the ability for surprises as each individual analyst focuses on their guys. I think, number one, we're not. it's not going to be a typical mock. It's not going to be like what we no, see definitely when not. only one person controls all 32 teams. There's going to be a lot more aggressive moves, so I expect to see big trade-ups. I expect to see surprising picks, yep. and that's, that's the reality with these. When you're controlling just that one team, you go and get your guy. That's what we see in the league. I guess that's what we'll be seeing in this mock as well. I'm really interested to see how the offensive tackles go here in the first round because – it's just the possibilities are endless. We saw that in our guest mock draft series that we're doing on our podcast. But, I mean, what other positions are, are big ones? Quarterback, wide receiver, probably, right? Well, I think, yeah, I think that when you're making these sorts of picks and it's it's catered to your audience for your podcast, you're tempted sometimes to go for those sexier positions. And the sexy position in this draft is undoubtedly wide receiver. So, to me, I'm really interested to see. We know the big three will come off the board and Jerry Judy, CeeDee Lamb, and Henry Ruggs. Who's wide receiver four? Who's wide receiver five? And just how many can we fit in this first round? Ooh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Ben and I are going to be back with you recapping a lot of these picks throughout the mock draft. I'm very excited, so let's get it started. Okay, Matt, we're here. The Cincinnati Bengals are on the clock. Is there any doubt what 
the Bengals should do here. They earned the right through their poor play in the 2019 season to be drafting number one overall on everybody's list. It seems to be the same name, the same prospect that should go first overall. If their phone is ringing, should they even be answering it or do they know who the pick will be with the first overall selection in this draft? I mean, you answer it, and if someone offers you a Godfather-like offer, you consider it, and you still might not even say yes. I mean, I think Burrow is the super prospect. He would go first in almost every draft, you know, nine out of ten years. That's a gift, and the Bengals need it. He's an Ohio guy. They need to sell tickets. They need to sell jerseys. The offense that he falls into isn't in that bad a shape as first overall selections go. So I think it's kind of too good to be true. All right, with that, this draft is underway. Let's go to the hosts of Locked on Bengals and get the pick for Cincinnati, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. With the first overall pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, the Cincinnati Bengals easily and without second thought select Joe Burrow. In fact, Joe, we received no calls in the war room for the number one pick. I guess everyone just knows not to ask. And I don't think we would have considered any offers anyway. So we make this pick. This pick has really been made since maybe late December when the Bengals lost to the Miami Dolphins in week 16 of the regular season and clinched their first overall pick. Joe Burrow went on a tear in the playoffs after that. And the Bengals will finally get a franchise quarterback. First time they've drafted number one since 2003 when they drafted Carson Palmer out of USC. They're in that position again. The roster has been turned over on the defensive side through free agency. And I think they're looking at this squarely of saying our Super Bowl window opens again if we draft Joe Burrow number one in 2020. That's right. The Bengals don't just spend money to spend money. This is a strategic injection of funds into the defense to make themselves competitive while they have Joe Burrow on his rookie deal for five years. He's, of course, expected to come in and be a day one starter in Cincinnati. Andy Dalton is still on the roster, but will not be on the roster by the time training camp comes around. He might not even be on the roster by the time the draft is finished. We are looking openly to trade Andy Dalton for whatever assets we can recover. And if that doesn't work out, he'll be cut before Joe Burrow shows up for rookie camp or for the first offseason activity that we're allowed to hold with these rookies this summer. Joe, how much better does Joe Burrow make this team? Well, the quarterback is the most important position. And I think we're looking at a guy coming off a historic college football season that many have said is the best passing performance throughout a whole season in the history of college football. What does he do better than Andy Dalton? Andy Dalton has been the Mendoza line for starting quarterbacks in the league for a long time. And I feel like all of the skills you look for typically when you look at college quarterbacks, usually they are the big guys with the strong arms going near the top. And you say, can they function in the pocket? Do they have accuracy? How's their IQ? How's their processing? Uh, How do they do off script? All the questions you normally go into tape asking with Joe Burrow, those are all the answers you have with him based on tape and based on what he showed this past year. All of those things are not in question. He has them in spades. It's the arm strength, right? That's the only area you really question. And I would say it's very similar to Andy Dalton. So it should be an upgrade in almost every area of quarterbacking other than that. And that's okay because when you look at the best quarterbacks in the league over the last 20 25 years, whether it's Tom Brady or Peyton Manning or Drew Brees, they all had those other features in their game without having a cannon for an arm. 
Simply put, Joe Burrow is the most influential recruit in LSU football history. In leading the Tigers to the 2019 National Championship, Burrow was fantastic, shattering school records and setting national marks that may not be touched. 5,671 yards and 60 touchdown passes for Burrow while completing 76% of his passes. His arm strength won't wow you, but Joe Burrow makes up for it everywhere else. His decision-making is elite, just six interceptions on the 2019 season. He's the son of a coach and a film room junkie. There's a story about LSU beating Alabama, getting back to Tus- from Tuscaloosa to Baton Rouge, and when Joe Brady, the passing game coordinator, got to LSU football ops that night to go get the cut-ups of the film, Burrow had already beaten him there. Burrow has very underrated athleticism. Not only was he a high school quarterback, he was also a high school basketball player. And his ability to move the chains with his feet is something that many have overlooked throughout this process. Burrow is a fierce competitor whose teammates love him, who rises in the biggest moments. Should Joe Burrow stay healthy, he will have a long, prosperous NFL career as a franchise quarterback. This is Matt Moscona of Locked on LSU, your source for LSU and SEC content every day. All right, Matt, there's the pick. Joe Burrow goes number one overall to the Cincinnati Bengals, and there's a lot to like about Joe Burrow. I think maybe if you're nitpicking, you can find some knocks here and there about arm strength, which in some cases is completely overrated, and uh, I I like what was said by many smart NFL people in the past that the quarterback position isn't so much played with your arm once you get to the NFL level. It's played from the neck up, and I think that's where Joe Burrow really shines. Yeah, absolutely, and he he is a good athlete. He has a remarkable head and poise and confidence for the game, processing, accuracy, He does not have a power arm, and that worries me a little bit considering the area of the country he's going to when it's sleeting and windy and, you know, in the NFC North and late in the year. We'll see how he deals with that, but that by no means would slow me down from making such a pick. He's a tremendous prospect. More Locked On NFL Draft special coming up. The Washington Redskins are now on the clock with the second selection All right, that was uh, a special teaser of the uh, 2020 Locked On NFL Mock Draft Special. So, uh, again, be sure to check that out. Uh, The guys do a really good job, and as you heard, uh, great insight. They keep it fun, and uh, go back and listen to uh, any of the episodes you've already missed, and be sure to catch the ones uh, still to come uh, this week there in their mock draft. But uh, that'll wrap up uh, this episode, Locked On SEC Podcast. Uh, As always, be sure to subscribe Head over to any podcast app you use. Just search for Locked on SEC. And, uh, again, if you enjoy the show, take a few seconds. Leave a nice five-star rating review. That just helps the show reach more people. For everything else, you can follow me on Twitter at TheBlakeLevel. And, again, to keep up with all the great uh, NFL mock draft stuff uh, that we have going on here on the network, uh, just tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked on NFL Draft for great NFL draft coverage. But thanks, as always, for listening, and I'll talk to you guys next time here on the Locked on SEC podcast, part of Locked on Podcast Network. <laughs>